0: Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much, as always, all around the world for taking the time to listen. You guys, we have one of my favorite guests ever on the podcast. And I know (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny because every interview, I'm like, I'm so excited, you know, but I mean, truly, I am so excited about today's guest. He's one of my favorites. His name is Jerry Vander Wolt. He is an international tour and expedition leader, a travel and nature photographer, the co-founder of a wildlife photographic safari company called Wild Eye in South Africa, but they travel the world. If you are a fan of the show, you'll know that I actually had Jerry on my show early on. I think back in season one, he was an episode, I think like the late third. 30- He was in there. Anyway, Jerry's one of my favorite guests just because this is a guy who speaks his mind. He's passionate about what he does. And, you know, during today's conversation, we just talk about what's going on right now. The elephant in the room, no pun intended, but the coronavirus. And, you know, he owns a company where, you know, his income is based on tourism and, you know, people coming to them and traveling around the world and going on these photographic safaris. And well, the coronavirus has really put a halt to that. And he really just talks about, you know, staying positive, about the plans. He also talks about the coronavirus and its effect on the safari tourism as a whole. And you guys, I promise this is not a doom and gloom Interview. There's just some great insight. Um, His opinions, obviously, there's a lot of positivity going on because you guys, there is light at the end of the tunnel. We just need to stay positive. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. We also talk about a variety of different things, including some of his favorite wildlife encounters. You know, we talk a lot about safaris in Africa, his encounters with predators, bringing guests to, you know, show them their dream safari experience. We talk about his favorite places to visit in the world. We also, you know, discuss some random things including social media and if you are a small business how to grow your following. There's just a bunch of fun random topics we talk about in this interview. I know that a lot of you are going to get value out of this and you know, for any of you, I mean I'm sure Anyone listening probably wants to go on an African safari if they haven't already once in their life. And this is the guy to listen to and to check out. You know, I know that, I mean, for me, when I first dreamed of going to Africa as a kid, for growing up in Idaho, I thought it was such a far-fetched dream and I thought, Oh, I'll never make it there. Oh, maybe, you know, it's just too far. Oh, it might be too expensive. In reality, going to Africa is a lot more attainable than one thinks. And so uh, this is a guy to check out. If you do want to go on safari, definitely listen to this interview because there is some great insight. If you are planning on a safari in the future, because this coronavirus stuff, it will all end. Now, before we get to that, please, as always make sure to subscribe to the show, please leave a, a rating, We are getting up there in the ranks on iTunes. So thank you so much for your ratings and reviews. I really, really appreciate it. Also, if you want more behind the scenes content, especially during this time, I am very, very active on my Facebook and on my Instagram and I guess TikTok now. TikTok, I never would have thought, but I, um, my biggest following is actually on TikTok. So go check that out. I make a lot of fun videos there, but especially Instagram lives and my Instagram stories, I will give you a behind the scenes of kind of what it's like to record these podcasts. You're going to get visuals of our guests and and also obviously people come to see my animals and animals in general. So you're going to learn a lot about animals. You're going to get some great animal content. So go check out my Instagram at Corbin Maxi on Facebook. And I just mentioned Instagram and TikTok. I'll also include the links to Jerry's Instagram, because if there's one account you should be following, it should be Jerry's during this time. He posts some awesome content and I'm a huge sucker for leopards and big cats. So anytime he posts a leopard cub, I'm just like, ah, this is amazing. It's what I needed today. So go check out Jerry's. I'll put his information in the show notes. Okay. With that said, please welcome Jerry back to the show. One of my favorite guests, and I'm not blowing smoke. I swear to God, please welcome Jerry Vanderwelt. He is the international tour and expedition leader, a travel and nature photographer, and the co founder of Wild Eye South Africa, a wildlife photography
1: tourism company. Jerry, welcome back, man. Oh, Corbin, thank you so much. It, it, I was just thinking before we started. When was the last time? It. It feels sitting with you now. It feels like a couple of days, but it's months ago. Over a year and a half, and you came on my show back in the day. You were one of my
0: early big celebrity interviews for me.
1: Oh wow, you too, kind man. How's things your side? How's life?
0: It, well, life is good. We're a little. We're a little quarantined right now, and mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like you're in your office. Is that correct?
1: So this is my home office, yo. In oh. South Africa, so our lockdown started about 11 days ago, 12 days. Mm-hmm. We've got nine to go, but it's quite a serious. I don't know how it is for you guys, but we can literally only go out to the shops or for essentials like medical and that's it. You can't go walking, running your dog, nothing. So this is my little home office, yes.
0: Oh, really? See, people here, I mean, we have a stay-at-home order, but a lot of people uh-huh. in Idaho, a lot of people aren't taking it seriously. So there's people still... Having you know, I mean, I don't know. People still doing a lot of construction. People still shaking hands. And there's some people taking it seriously, but there's some people who are like, ah, I'm not going to get it. So,
1: so, so, aren't you guys in like lockdown? What what are your restrictions?
0: So we could go to stores, and then we can we could go to like I'm like essential businesses are open. So like, um, but 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 then you could deem yourself essential. So for instance, there's a wine shop in town that has deemed itself essential but then there was someone who walked in who tested positive for the coronavirus so there's just little yeah um i don't know they don't think we're gonna hit because i'm in idaho they don't think we're gonna hit our big big like um you know our big spike until mid to late may
1: sure sure i mean i i think it's very similar for us we the lockdown basically there is i can go to the shops for food and for essentials no alcohol. You cannot buy alcohol at all during the lockdown. You really? can't buy cigarettes during the lockdown at all. Now, I think two days before the president announced this lockdown thing, right? And everybody's like, oh, no, this is fine and this and that. So eventually on the Sunday night two weeks ago, yeah. he does this, this speech and he, um, and he then says, okay, this is the deal. You have three days and then we're locking down like this is how it's going to work. Talk about panic buying, right? Yeah. But nobody. Nobody expected kind of the alcohol to run out that quickly oh. because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big drinker by any means, but now I'm at home. So after this, I have a glass of wine and then another one and then tomorrow. So suddenly people are starting to get a bit edgy now because you can't get more wine. Oh. It's a bizarre world you're living in, man. It is strange. It is
0: a weird world and alcohol numbers have spiked over 80% here in the state. So liquor stores are still open and – I don't know if oh, you wow. yeah, I don't know if you knew this, but my wine and I this is so funny, we also it's not funny, but we also because we live in wine country in Idaho, we own a wine tourism business. Where we? oh, wow. Well, and it's mainly like my wife's animals, So I do animals and she does that. But uh, the yes. winery, the wineries here, because we have some of the best wine in the United States right here in Idaho on the Snake River. Swear to God. I it's did like not know that. Oh, it's oh, amazing because we have the same climate as Spain. So we, pr- we produce a lot of Spanish varietals like Tempranillos. So we have excellent, a- like a lot of dry reds. But the wineries here, I mean, they're closed, but they're still open for like pickup and people, they're still packed.
1: Jeez, I read a very interesting article uh, two, three days ago. Something about so I mean, South Africa is—it's kind of if you look at from the top of the the rich to the poor, there's a very big range because of our history and all of this, right? And the the, the biggest concern with this lockdown was—it's fine for where we're living in kind of just a normal area, but in the rural townships, there's so many people that live in a very small area that it's so difficult to control. But what they've found is since they've blocked alcohol sales in these areas, I mean, crimes come down, everything's come down. So now people are saying, hey, listen, this is kind of a real interesting test here because everybody's safe at home, but they're not drinking. And look at what's happening to the the petty crime and it's a it's a bizarre the amount of stats and numbers that's getting thrown out there on every single thing is ridiculous
0: wow and i actually speaking about alcohol i told myself i was gonna have a glass i don't even drink uh whiskey i'm not even really drinking right now um i've had a drink in in months but i was gonna have a glass of whiskey with you but it's like eight o'clock in the morning here so (laughs)
1: <laughs> that would that, been a proper rock star move, man.
0: That would have been a rock
1: star move. <laughs>
0: dude, my day would have been shot. Um, okay. So, Jerry, <laughs> I wanted to uh I wanted to talk to you because I first of all I love your podcast, the Wildlife Photography Podcast. Um You're very kind dude. And for anyone who is listening, please, please go check it out. And here's the deal. Here is my my plug for you is I am not a photographer. Uh to be honest. I'm not even really interested in the ins and outs. I like learning new stuff, but your podcast, I tune in just to get your point of view on certain world topics, your safari <laughs> experiences,
1: animal stuff. Yeah. That's why I love it. Uh, that's very kind of you. actually just literally now, just before you and I met up here, I, we finalized six new episodes, but the cool thing is not, not just me because the, the team's coming on board now as well. And the funny thing is initially it was just going to be photography, but if you look at wildlife photography, you're on safari. You speak to people. You sit around campfires. You talk about world topics. You 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 rant about stuff. You complain about things. So so the the, the kind of the scope of the whole thing has just gone kind of bigger and bigger. And I mean, I can always probably put it back three levels back to photography. But yeah, it, it's kind of. It's got a life of it. It's great fun. I'm loving it. It's really good fun.
0: Yeah, well keep it up. And when I got the notification a couple weeks ago and you were talking about the uh the uh coronavirus and all this stuff, and you were talking about Wait. being positive, I loved it. It's what I needed because <laughs> people are freaking out. Can you kinda of go into
1: that? I mean, that was I think this was before South Africa got their lockdown, right? Yeah. And so, so with us being a travel company, so my job, just for the people who don't know, we take people to wild places around the world. We take them to look at polar bears, spirit bears, African animals, Borneo, whatever, to show them wildlife. And when this corona thing started kind of gaining momentum, we started getting inquiries as far as now what? Is it safe? And then you start speaking to people and very suddenly people started spiraling down into this bit this, 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 this of misery. Because now I can't go and see an orangutan anymore and they just go miserable. I've got to stay at home. That sucks. I can't I can't go and buy wine and that sucks. And people just they just went negative on everything. Because what we decided is I'm not gonna answer people when they when they come with these inquiries from a business point of view just on email. We would hook up on Skype's and stuff and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And there was just and this was even before it hit South Africa, we didn't have our lockdown at this time. And everybody was just like, it was this, this, this like umbrella of heaviness. This is like uh, pushing down. And look, I think it's, it's, I have to thank my parents for my DNA, but I just cannot be negative. I I struggle. I will always try and find the glass half full. And on that particular day, I think it was episode 284, five, something. I just went outside the office and I said, just, you know what? Come on, man. It doesn't, you're going to be, so most of the time people are at home. Uh, so they're, Sorry, they're at work, then they bitch and moan that they want to be at home. Now they're at home, and they're complaining that they're bored. Good Lord. I mean, learn something. Do a podcast. Write a blog. Learn a technique. Teach your dog how to sit. Start TikTok. Do whatever. <laughs> Just do something. Just do something. We have this opportunity. And I must be honest. I don't know what it's like for you. Since we've been in lockdown now, I've probably spoken to more friends on phones and on FaceTime than ever before. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's making us, I think this whole thing is making us reassess what's important and it's the people element of it. And I think when this blows over and we get to go back to the places that are special to us, I think it's going to mean so much more. I, but I, I can't go negative. I just can't, man. I do too.
0: And I'm going to be honest. I find myself being more creative. I started a new late night Instagram and Facebook show every Friday. I, I've started really? to film more IGTVs. I mean, and truly, though, it's been a great time for creators or for anyone who has mm. a dream. It's like, wow, this is an opportunity. And I was actually talking to, um, and, and, and my wife told me this, like, I think it was like a couple days ago, because I was just yeah. kind of like, I was like, man, I miss like traveling. I miss, you know, because we do a lot of these shows in New York. I miss the Today Show. We had some great stuff planned, and she's like, she's like, just she's like, no, like this is probably the only time in our lives that we are going to be told by the government to stay home. Let's enjoy and let's just like relax. Like when are we else going to be, you know, told to stay home? And it was such a good point. I was like, you are so right. Like, why am I antsy?
1: Hundred percent. And the thing is, you know what? So now you've got John down the road. Who is bitching in the morning because I can't go out and this and that, dude? You're at home. It's yep. it's actually a nice thing. You can complain as much as you want. It's not going to change. So 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 stop that. Just 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 basically just stop it and do something. I mean, and I, I love what you said about the creativity side because I, I was I, I do like a thing called the, it's a fun little thing called the isolation diaries, right? Mm. Which is basically just me sharing thoughts from the day and sometimes you feel bad, you have a, a, a down day. But still, the positive is I can share it with someone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or if it's a really good day, we talk about other stuff. But I've started some new things. Like, I mean, I mentioned TikTok. Suddenly I'm doing weird stuff on TikTok just because <laughs> it's fun. You're on TikTok just, now? Oh, I need
0: to follow you. Oh, that's it the is place golden. to be. That's the place but to it be.
1: Is, it is like right now. So I mean, in my office I'm working and I've got like 10 Zooms a day with clients and we, we chat and we kind of doing all this. We're looking at digital photography courses and lightroom courses and all these things. But but the creativity, that the content my guys are creating now, whether it's podcast or written or video, is way above what they did when they were at the office because they're suddenly all focused. And TikTok for me has been it's like bubblegum for your mind, right? It's just it's just like you go and you do the most random stuff, but during that 10 minutes, I actually I, I have to confess. I did one, which took me like an hour and a half yes. for me to get this damn dance right. Yes. But I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was it was a Sunday afternoon. I was at home, I had nothing else, but it stimulated the creative side. And I'm thinking, cool, okay, that transition that I did there, not dance transition, the, the video transition, <laughs> could be used elsewhere. I, I just find the, that spillover of creativity, I find an amazing thing right now.
0: I think so, and our TikTok for me, I mean, for so long, I mean, this is just a side note. I was focusing, and this is for actually people listening who have businesses who want to grow their brand on social media. Sure. For so long, I, I mean, I, I still focus so much on Instagram, on Facebook. I was, to be fully honest, I was late to the game with Instagram. So the I came in right when the algorithms just, and they really suck. I mean, they, they suck. So I got on TikTok a few months ago, and our numbers are great. I have my snapping turtle biting a carrot, and it's been seen by over 10.8 million people. And I'm just yes, like, I saw that. It's insane, and my following is like you And I'm just like, what? And so, yeah. I think that's the place. That's where everyone needs to be. I think if you have a business, mm-hmm. or don't you think?
1: Hundred percent. I mean, I just think. I mean, from a from a business and marketing point of view, you have to be where the attention is. Yeah. And I mean, even on some of our so in the mornings, look in the mornings when I do training here, I listen to the news. Because I need to know what's happening in the world, but after like eight o'clock, it's like okay, enough now. I, I'm I'm all coronaed out for now. I'll listen to the news again later, and then you got all these different channels and stuff. And even on the news, the guys are mentioning how the numbers on TikTok and Instagram stories are through the roof. Instagram lives. I've never gone onto Instagram right, and you get your stories at the top, and you just swipe like two or three times, and you're just live, 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 oh. live, live, live. It's mad how suddenly these platforms that we've had all the time now suddenly become relevant. And now it's just everybody's like, oh, my God, I've got to do it. I just hope that people who get on there now stay on there. Yeah. That, that's a big deal. But I think, I mean, I'm the TikTok thing I'm loving, the Instagram lives I'm loving, it is – and it's there. People, should, they've got the time now to do it, whether it's a personal brand or a business brand. You have to do it.
0: So I have a question for you, and this is not really animal related. Well, I guess you you post animal content, but you have a massive sure. following on social media. You have, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands hmm. of followers. You're verified on Instagram, Twitter, sure. Facebook, uh, TikTok. How do you find if you if you are a small business or you're someone like me who's trying to manage this? I'm finding it, Jerry. For me now, because my numbers are increasing, I find it. I'm a little sure. overwhelmed, and I have to like yesterday. I had to stop. At like 7 p.m., I said, I can't look, and I haven't looked at my phone today because I was like, I can't respond to every comment. What is your advice? Because you have thousands of more followers than me.
1: Sure. Yo, that's a tough question. I must be honest, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, find creating content easy because of who I am. I'm yeah. just, again, it's DNA. So I can literally walk downstairs, quickly do a post on Instagram stories and put it out. Okay. Um, I think the biggest, the, the two things is... Number one, people overthink their content too much. They, they want it to be too perfect, and they take. That's why it takes them an hour and a half to make an Instagram story. If it if it if it tells your message and is real, just put it out and move on. Just just get it there. Don't decide whether it's good enough. Let the audience decide for you. Just get it out. And I mean, the, the, the tough thing is when you get the numbers, is to answer every single comment. I try, but oh. it, it's rough. Now with this lockdown thing. Every morning, I wake up early. I'm up like at 4, 4.30. Can't help it. It's just how it works. Wow. I would get my coffee. I would get, go sit outside, and then I answer messages and comments and this. In the day, you let it run and then kind of just make a time for it. But I, I, I really think people overthink the content that they have to make. And anybody, your game, I mean, your, your social media, your Instagram is golden, man. It is Oh, you really, like it? it is really, really? really? It's real. really good. I mean, the way you build in the stories of the animals, and it, yeah. it really is amazing. But I mean, you could probably scale that up more. Yeah, I mean, you you should have someone following you around like a D Rock for Gary Vee, that kind of thing. I, it would be golden. Yeah, I've tried to
0: be a little more real. Like I was talking the other day, and I had my retainer in my mouth, and I was like, "Oh crap, I need to take it out." And then I was like, "Whatever, I'm just going to take it out on my story." And I I, I just kept it because I feel yeah. like people are craving more authentic, raw. True. They don't want the manicured. They they don't like it. I'm, and my manicured posts don't do good. But when I'm raw and I'm like, oh, my dad and I did this or when I'm Mm. like – when I'm thoughtful, that's when I see the most engagement. Mm. I mean just to be honest.
1: 100%. We did an interesting exercise about a year and a half ago, maybe when you and I spoke somewhere. And because our game is wildlife photography but we're more into the education and the travel side. So I said to one of my guys before a strategy meeting, go and take – go into Instagram of each one of us and literally go into Instagram. Go swipe, 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 swipe. Stop, screen grab. So just through the feed, oh. do it with all of us, go and do it with some of our competitors and then go and do it with like 20 random wildlife photographers, scroll through the feed, stop at any point and screen grab. Then we cut the names off and we put a slideshow together. Oh. You could not see who is who because it was just random images, lion, leopard, buffalo. No, 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 no. There was no distinguishing. Until we got to some of ours, specifically mine, Marlon, and them, we had a picture of me or guest, and suddenly it became a human thing. It it suddenly it's real. It's hundred percent like you said. Even on stories, I've watched some of my guys in the office when we used to go to the office before this lockdown, do the story and it's talk, 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 delete, do it again. What's wrong? No, no, there was something wrong. I mean, I've even had things, and some of my best numbers, which is just a bizarre thing, is you would be doing, and I'll do a story like, "Hey, Corbin, I'm gonna." Fuck. (laughs) Sorry. And and I would would then literally stop it. I would put in big red letters, I would put epic fail over it. I would post it and then redo it. Because people can relate. It's normal. I know. That's, I, my favorite one is when you were
0: talking about social media and you were like, you were talking about if you're a brand, you need to have a face to the brand. And you said, I don't care if you're uglier. What did you say? You're like, I don't care if you're uglier than like, I don't, what did you say? Like the underside I, of a boot? I was, <laughs> I was tired laughing. You're like, use bad. a filter. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, exactly. Just
1: be human. Be human. I totally that, agree. It's such a thing. It's such a, people, they, they, they overthink it so much. and And the problem is. And then you get these these people who they'll do the story, yeah. right, and they'll put every conceivable filter and thing on there, and then there's hashtag no filter. Oh, come on, Sophie. <laughs> really? No. I, mean, I love what you say, that, that we have to be real. We have to be human. And especially now, I think, that this coronavirus has pulled us apart. We're all in our own little homes. Mm. Seeing someone that's real. I did this isolation diary. It's just a fun little Instagram live I do every day where I just talk about I woke up in this morning, I felt bad, I went training, I did this. And about four or five days ago, I really, I had a bad day. It was just, mm. there was this anxiety about everything. And I went onto Instagram Live and I said to my wife, you know what, uh, I? I'm just going to do it. And I went full on hardcore raw. I said, you know what, guys, I'm re- really, really feeling bad today. I'm, I'm not feeling this. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. The amount of engagement at the back of that and not, 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 oh, well, sorry, sorry. is like, you know what, I feel the same. That's cool. What did you do it's real. It's human. We are still human. Social media should still be social.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I, I I love that. And I, I yeah, I love all this time we have on the lives. And I feel like when you're able to connect, you know, with, with the late night show, my wife and I do, we do it, we film it at our house and we do this animal nights live. And it's just me behind this New York backdrop with a couple of my animals. Yeah. And, but I love it though, because sure. we're having so many people tune in and you're connecting. And it's like, it's awesome to still feel that connection. So when I'm having a down day, I totally feel that. I totally feel mm.
1: that. Yeah, and, and people, I think what what people do is they don't want to share the bad days because they think and, and the, the not the, not the only culprits, but like fitness influencers, mm. right? Everything's always perfect. The I don't follow.
0: Good. I don't follow any the, fitness influencers. <laughs> don't
1: don't do it. They make you feel bad about yourself, man. Really? Because it's just everything's like this perfect world where suddenly when it's real and just normal, people can relate it's it's a beautiful thing
0: well beautiful I, thing. your instagram is one of my favorites to follow because i'll oh, i just <laughs> no and i'm not blowing smoke because no, you'll just no, I appreciate it Pretty you fine. have this knack of when you're kind of having a down day or you're feeling anxious you have this knack of posting like a leopard cub or a lion cub or something <laughs> that's going to be like oh man you did it
1: again
0: that's money man oh my gosh that's just yeah i mean yeah. you're you're in Encounters are just phenomenal. How can someone follow you who's listening right now? And, and I'll, I'll include the links in the show notes, but what is your handle? I mean
1: the easiest thing is, is Jerry Funavel. G-E-R-R-Y-V-A-N-D-E-R-W-A-L-T. That's on all the platforms. Okay. Um and then or, or then the company's Wild Eye, just a Wild Eye SA. Um, same kind of thing. It's but yeah, you know, it's it's I think at this stage, and I think what's important now for us as well, and I think you're in this position as well with what you do with your animals, is People are saying to us, literally 100 comments a day saying, thanks for the positive content. And sometimes it's literally just a beautiful sunset in the Masamara with an elephant in it. Mm. Because we are now, even though we're in this little house, we're dreaming out there. So I mean, you as well, you've got beautiful, feel good content. And I think that's what people need to see right now.
0: Yeah, that's okay. So let's. Let's talk about the coronavirus and the safari <clears throat> industry because that's, I mean, yeah, let's just talk about that. And I know I actually did not listen to your latest podcast because I, I didn't want to, I, I just wanted to hear it from you first, um, but, I, but I know you just did one. Um, I did not listen to that one yet, but what are your thoughts? Because it's, I mean, it's really affecting the tourism industry, Africa as a whole.
1: Dramatically so. Um, so as it stands up until right now, I mean, we did some emails early on, we haven't we haven't lost a single booking oh, good. the one thing that we've gone back to our clients with is like we'll put it this way i was gonna i would be in the united states right now if it wasn't for corona then in turkey then in svalbard then in wow. uganda and wow. i'm not going anywhere anymore right everything's basically being cancelled because the, the spin-off effect is so big on this thing that even if south africa lifts our travel ban the u.s might not or they might be lifting everywhere, but there's quarantines and stuff involved. So people might be a bit edgy to travel for quite some time. The big concern, I think, for the safari industry and kind of wildlife around it is, let's say, for example, you, myself, and six guests, you and I co-host a trip, and we go to Sabi Sands, which is actually something we should legit think about. Leopards. Talking- Leopards, yes. So now, we would have gone to Sabi Sands, right? There's a, there's a park fee involved in that. So now... I'm thinking forget about me as the company who is hosting the trip. If we look at where the money goes, the people that work at the lodges, number one, there are lodges like Sabi Sabi, that is one of South Africa's premier big five five star lodges, they're closed right now. And they're closed until further notice. Now, with that goes the upkeep of the property is this, but this is a it's a hotel thing. So that's the one part of it. Anti poaching units cannot be paid anymore. Right. Yeah. So there's a concern. The people who do the conservation work, they might not be. They might not be paid. So we have a very deep involvement in the Massamara. We've got a camp in the Mara Triangle, mm-hmm. and I'm actually tomorrow we're skyping with David Arawasa, who is the what is he? He's the tourism manager for the Triangle because they've had heavy ro- rains over December, January. Many of their game drive roads have collapsed. I mean, I, I-, I can send you pictures. It's just like the rain is insane that makes for an incredible great migration season with all the grass and the rain. However, they've basically had 100% cancellations all the way through August. Hmm. Now, if you look at, let's just look at some numbers, $80 per day park fee, right? If I, if I look at my camp, I put 12 people in there, 12 times 80, what's that, 9,600 a day, Wow! right? Is that, I,
0: don't see, I, I don't even know,
1: you, but it sounds great. you mapped that up? Now that goes to the rangers who protect, those goes to the guards, those goes to the anti-poaching units, those goes to the conservation bodies, the upkeep of the roads, and so forth, and so forth. My concern, and this might sound harsh, is not for companies like us, I think it's a level deeper, is if this thing keeps going, and we we had a very frank conversation with the triangle, like if this thing keeps going for an extended period, the Mara Triangle could basically fail, close. And it's one of the most premier game reserves in the world. This is, that's the reality of this thing. And even if we can get past the lodges, like the, the chef might not be paid, but you know what? He can go work at someone's house and, and make money. The rangers, the anti-poachers, the conservation, that that to me is a big deal. Yeah. And
0: And Jerry, really quick, can you tell people, maybe some people who aren't familiar with the Mara, <laughs> where is it on a map? Just really, really quick. Cool. Right. So people are
1: like, what are you talking
0: about? The Mara Triangle, what's this?
1: Good point. So if you look at Africa as a whole the continent um, and you come halfway top to bottom and you go far to the right-hand side and there's almost like a nose, it looks like a, a person with a nose. Just under the nose on the coast, there's Kenya and then Tanzania just below it. So it's kind of East Africa and the Mara Triangle or the Masamara Reserve is literally on the border between Kenya and Tanzania. So the Masamara falls on the border and then the serengeti is on the tanzanian side so we normally speak about the mara serengeti ecosystem as one like game counts gets done together and stuff like that but the mara triangle then is a piece of that mara conservancy on the border of kenya and tanzania
0: yeah i would say and i've been a few times to the mara and it's the most incredible safari destination in the world (laughs) and I just, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just a, such a side note. My wife, and I really want to take her to Africa. And she was like, I really want yeah. to go to South Africa. And I'm like, I want to go to South Africa. But I was like, oh, but I feel like East Africa. I don't, East Africa is like Africa. but I've never been to South Africa, so I don't know. I just feel like East Africa we, might be more of the safari experience. I don't know, what do you think?
1: I mean, we, well, first of all, I think you and I should definitely talk about collaborating and yes. doing a trip together. I think there's gold there. We'll take that offline. Stay tuned. Um, so,
0: <laughs> so talk East to my Africa, lawyers. Uh, no, I'm kidding, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: so, I mean, so East Africa, so Kenya and Tanzania, that's basically the home of safari. So it's kind of where safari was discovered. It's If, be, if you ask anybody now that, that follows you on Instagram, describe Africa to me, they'll probably describe East Africa. Open plains, one little tree giraffe under the tree, <laughs> that kind of thing, right? So, so East Africa is that. Um, and it is, it's this perfect storm of landscape, wildlife, animals, people, I mean, and the Maasai culture that, that, that kind of goes through Kenya and Tanzania, they're the smallest. The Maasai make up 1% of the population of Kenya, yet they're the most well-known. They jump, they've got the red, they kill lions while they used to. So people know those stories, Mm -hmm. right? So East Africa has and always will be the home of safari. Um, and then it kind of filtered down and people started doing it everywhere each country is different, South Africa all the way to East Africa. Everything has its own – what's the word? Its own kind of magic. Yeah, yeah, And a lot of people would say, oh, I want to come on safari. Where must I go? Uh-uh. We need to go deeper. What do you yeah. want to see? Where do you want to stay? Your accommodation. You can't, for example, see Vic Falls as, as a destination and see gorillas in two days. You can't do it. You can't do Cape Town and the Masai Mara in, in a week. You can, but it's going to be rushed. Mm. so so there's so much of it but your yeah, east africa is the home of of safari
0: i like that too and i also like your podcast because i sorry i keep on referring to it but i'm a big fan and i mm. love how and you give there's so many great episodes on like how to plan your perfect safari and i love how mm. you i love how you go into it because you could totally go on to groupon and you could buy uh a cheap safari, a five-day thing. But I love how you break it down, and I love how you 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 even tell people on your show. Listen, even if you don't want to go with our company, I'll be happy to sit you down and say, "Listen, this is what you're really going to get." I really really enjoy that.
1: Hundred percent. I mean, and, and I appreciate that, but but that's the truth because I want someone. I mean, I'm proud of South Africa and of Africa. I am. Um, I did a webinar last night on our Wild Mara camp, and man, I was almost in tears because I feel like emotional about this yeah, place. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, and, and the example, I think some of the podcast was people would advertise the best of Kenya, mm-hmm. right? Best of Kenya Safari for $1,500. Wow. And people are like, that is a steal. I've got to go. But wait, let's just check it out. You land in Nairobi at six o'clock in the morning. You then drive for seven hours to Amboseli,
0: Oof.
1: right? You get to Amboseli just after lunch. You have lunch. You do an afternoon game drive. You sleep at the lodge. The next day, you drive another seven hours to Lake Nakuru, oh. where you get there just after lunch. You do an afternoon game drive. You sleep at the lodge. Next day, seven hours to Masai Mara. You get there after lunch. You have. Are like, you driving? You
0: for- Are you yeah, driving there? Yes. Oh, I mean, it's absolutely. a rough. It's a rough drive, by the way, from from Nairobi to that. the Mara is a rough, yeah. bumpy,
1: but then ride. and then after the Mara, they drive back to flower. So for three days, you've done the best of Kenya. Oh, but. People and people need to go deeper. You need to look at the details. The devil, unfortunately, in this case, is in the details. Yeah, hundred percent is.
0: Yeah, and I like how you said it because a lot of people listening want to go on safari one day, and it's mm. you know I think if you only go on safari, and I think you mentioned this too once in your life, do it right. You know, do it yeah. right, spend a little extra money, hire a company yeah. like yourself or a guide like yourself. Just just, sure. just the little details of having nicer accommodations or clean mm. accommodations or transportation. I don't know, a, a well, oh, this is a good one, a well, um, a, a knowledgeable guide. I mean, you know what oh, I mean?
1: You could get it. A- you know what the interesting thing is on that, on the guide is in the past, I mean, I come from a lodge background, so we used to. I used to be the guy that drive people around. Did yeah. that for 15 years, lodge management and stuff. And we had this discussion with some of the lodge managers. They would pay hundreds of thousands of rands to go and travel internationally and to market everything. Said to them, listen, understand one thing. Your guests are spending between six and 10 hours per day with your guide. That's the, that's where the gold is. It means everything. And people often think that if they're going to come to an operator like us, we're going to try and upsell them to most expensive accommodation. Not always. Mm-hmm. Because I would rather, let's say for example, you and your wife come and it's, it's I don't know, let's pick a number, it's $10,000 budget.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can very easily put you in a top safari lodge for four nights, right? And then they're going to massage your feet when you arrive and there's iPod docking stations and whatever. I would rather say to you, listen, let's go more rustic. Let's put you in a super comfortable tented camp where you can hear Africa. You can stay out. You can go off-road. You can do all this because experience matters. You don't need to go for a five-star lodge. You need to go for a five-star experience. Yeah. And that's where the way.
0: I don't, I don't want that top-notch lodge. I, I've, I've only stayed in tented. I've stayed in like one nice camp outside the Mara. I won't say it like here. I mean, it, it, it was nice. Don't get me uh, wrong. But I, sure. I I enjoyed my experience. We stayed in this little camp in the middle of the Mara in just a bunch of trees where it was like, oh, uh-uh. uh, hey. where are we? But intense. <laughs> and it was like – and they would give you like a hot bucket shower and, and like your alarm was That's this Maasai. Nice. Yeah, the, 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 it, the alarm – your alarm was this Maasai guy and he at 5 a.m. would be like Mr. Corbin it's time to get up and, then, and I was like ah this is amazing this is what yeah. I want I loved it 100% yeah. I'd take that over yeah. a nice place
1: mm-hmm. I've had people I mean you mentioned the bucket showers and I said this in a webinar last night so we've got the same thing so it's it's basically this bucket the guys put the hot water in yeah. you can open and close and you shower in, under the sky oh. and um, I had this Canadian client last year what was his name oh, I should know his name I'll think of it now and he was also when he got there, he looked at the shower and he's like, mm, you know what, I'm not so sure about this thing. I'm not so sure. Anyway, by the end of it, he messaged me from home. He said he's gonna build himself a shower like that. <laughs> he's gonna but he wants that at home. Open air with the bucket. It is a beautiful thing. And those are the things that people remember. It's those, those right. little moments, like you said, the Maasai guy saying, hey, Mr. Corbin, wake up. <laughs> Mr. Those Corbin, are the yes. cool things, man.
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and going down a path and following him and watching out for hippos, and you could hear mm-hmm. the hyenas. I mean, it is that is the those are the experiences I totally take home, 100%. I,
1: I think the problem with some of that, not the problem, Don't get me wrong, I mean, I can luxury it up, I can go into the fancy lodges and it's all great and things, but there's a big part of when you're at those lodges and you close the door and you have an aircon on, you could be in the middle of Manhattan, it's the same, the sound is the same, you want to hear lions roaring in the distance, you want to hear the night sounds, you want to feel the breeze coming through the tent, and when when we say tent, I mean, you'll know this, a tent doesn't mean you got to get a spade when you go to go to the loo, you go dig a hole, it's not that. It's still wooden beds, comfortable, all the amenities, but it's a tent where there's mesh and you can feel Africa. That's the real deal. It,
0: it's nice. And I was trying to tell my wife this too. She's like, I need to stay in some – I said, no, you don't understand. The tents are actually nice. I mean like mm-hmm. there, some of them could be nice in these rustic camps. It's not <laughs> – yeah. And you could hear, oh, I just – I absolutely loved it. I, I think it's all about the experience.
1: My, mm. my It always has to be.
0: My thing is though, I, and I think you mentioned this too in one of your podcasts that you've had guests who are like in the Mara and you know they're trying to you know you're trying to encourage them to live in the moment and then they're concerned about getting a cell signal to or, or the internet connection to post on a story and I just was like ah oh, I couldn't yeah. even imagine that that should be heartbreaking for me
1: yeah uh, it is I was actually I saw a very interesting because at our camp in the Massamara, Mara so literally when we arrived there there was no signal nothing zero. So we put up a tower like a very makeshift tower because we need it for supplies, just for like logistics around and stuff. And then eventually people wanted Wi Fi. So we got the Wi Fi up, but it is sketchy. I mean, if the wind blows in the wrong direction, the Wi Fi <laughs> blows. Up, it's one of those, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was at the Grand Canyon now a couple of months ago and at Yabapai Lodge, they had this beautiful and I took a picture of this in their in their room folder. Like, you know what, there isn't Wi Fi, but you know what? Because you can't go on Wi Fi, why don't you do the following? Go sit outside and look at the view. Take pictures on your phone. Edit them on your phone. Just read a book. And and they, they actually made it very real in your face. There isn't Wi Fi, but hey, you know what? Do this. Mm. And it's all things where you and I don't care who you are, you kind of look at it and you think, mm, yeah, they're right. Yeah. They know. It's a thing.
0: 100% I'm so happy when I went to Africa I was off the grid for two weeks I had my handy cam I, it was way before like the wi-fi thing I mean I, I definitely need to go back and we're going to talk off air but yeah that uh, was, but we are yeah yeah that's amazing so let's talk about some of your wildlife experiences and encounters is there Well, oh, this is a question for you is there one animal when you are in the Mara That you are like, okay, this is golden. This is my favorite animal to show guests where you know it's like, oh, thank God, we've been driving for hours and finally we have blank.
1: Is there a favorite? (laughs) For the the Mara specifically? um, The Mara often, because we go during migration season, is you want those river crossings. So that's a big deal. Let's ice that for now. I think it it would probably be leopard or cheetah (sighs) in the Mara because the cheetah is kind of like an, it's almost like an unofficial ambassador for East Africa. It's the open plains, the cheetah running, sitting on the mound. Cheetahs always a big deal. And leopards, purely because leopards are are by nature super, super secretive. And to see them in an open environment like the Mara is just spectacular. So between those two, I think lions, and this might sound blasé, it's not. We have a pride of lions very close to the area where our camp is. I can pretty much guarantee you lions in the Mara. That that's just, The ecosystem is just that. It's open. They live along the rivers because the, the prey come there and stuff. But between leopard and cheetah, that would probably be, be the two.
0: I remember being with my buddies who live in Kenya who took me around Mm -hmm. and we saw lions. They weren't even excited. Lions were just like, ah, another because they were just, you know, sleeping and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh my God, it's, it's the rich pride. And they're just, yeah, they're just like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think leopards, I still haven't obviously seen a leopard that would just be ideal for me. I think that I think would be incredible, but I want it to be, I told you, I think during our last interview, I almost saw a leopard, but, it was with yes. a bunch of tourist vehicles, and then one of the tour operators, not us, was trying to flush it out of a bush with the vehicle, y- and it, some, it felt so wrong. We actually left, and so we never saw the leopard. It just—it was not an experience that I would have wanted to have with my first encounter.
1: What what reserve was that in? Was it the Kruger? Kruger National Park? No,
0: it was the, it was in the uh, Maasai Mara. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's the, – the, the the challenge often in the – so the national reserves. So in South Africa or Southern Africa, you get the private reserves. Uh-huh. And there is – you can only go with the guided vehicle. You stay at a lodge, you go with the guided drive You can't drive yourself. Uh-huh. There's always the concern and the challenge in the, the national reserves like South Luangwa, like uh, Mara, Kruger, where people can drive themselves because you always get this one guy
0: yeah. that's
1: like, oh, I read the book on mammals – And I, I'm going to be your guide and I'm going to, and they just think they know everything and they can mess it up. I mean, there's some horror stories, horror stories on that. And that's an unfortunate thing, but I mean, it's a reality of some of these national parks.
0: Yep. Yep. Is there one animal that you are still waiting to see in the Mara? Like, have you seen a honey badger yet or a pangolin?
1: No, no. (laughs) I have, and wild dogs. Oh, you wild
0: dogs. Are they still in the Mara?
1: Okay, theoretically, no. So okay. what happens is a couple of years ago, right, um, About I'm thinking four, maybe five years ago, I'm at camp, and a couple of the guests that are there with me are shareholders from one of the lodges I used to manage way back in Madikwe. Uh-huh. Now, Madikwe is very well known for its wild dogs. If you want to see wild dogs, go to Madikwe. It's like a, a stronghold for them. Anyway, so Andrew Frodsham, this client of mine, they go out on game driving. this. Now, up until this point, on paper, In the Mara Triangle, so just for the people, again, the Mara Triangle is made up of the Kenya-Tanzania border, an escarpment called the Olololo Escarpment, and the river. That Uh makes the triangle, right? Up until this point, and we actually spoke about it a couple of weeks before then, wild dogs were not seen in that area since 1990 or something. Wow. Like nothing. They just, which is weird, it's a great environment, but just not. Too high predator density from a lion point of view, right? Anyway, so... Um, I'm in another vehicle. We come back in the morning, like 11 o'clock, 11.30. Hey, how's it going? Cool. How is your drive? I asked these guys from a different. Yeah, no, it's all right. I see, is he anything interesting? They say, oh, nothing major. I mean, we saw some lions and wild dogs. I'm like, what? Did, did, did you just say wild dog? He says, yeah, we saw two wild dogs close to the border. And But they're like nonchalant about it because they used to wild dogs. And I'm said, Andrew, no, wait, wait. Are, are you sure they were actually wild dogs? Because a lot of people confuse hyena and wild dog. Oh, you? Sh- yes, it was wild dog. No, so I go to my guy. Um, who was it? I think Jimmy was driving them, and he's like, you oh, no, they saw two wild dogs close to the Tanzanian border." Oh my God. So it's about four or five years ago. These two dogs, and we don't know if it's part of a bigger pack, but they've been kind of coming in and out on the border. We don't know where, what. I haven't seen them yet. I've also not been on the vehicles that saw the pangolin. I think two or three years ago they saw some pangolins in the Mara. Badgers, I can't remember any of our guests in the last eight years seeing badger in the Mara. But they're there, though, right? They're there. Yeah, yeah, The guides see them. You see them. And in the evening sometimes. I think the thing with the Mara is the the predator hierarchy there is huge. I mean, the the level of predators, lions, cheetahs, hyenas is, I mean, for anybody, and this is sometimes a a, a weird topic, but for people who want to see predators attacking prey, you yep. cannot go wrong with Mara because of the density of animals, especially in migration time. Look, we can talk about how difficult and all that, but that's where you would go for it. But that's, I mean, so I think things like badgers and wild dogs, they just get out-competed at the top level from a predator point of view.
0: Have you encountered a lot of predator-on-predator interaction? Like, have you seen lions kill cheetah or leopard in your guiding experience in, in
1: specific, or
0: just a, a, any I mean anywhere really have you um, seen that
1: cuz that would be difficult I, it very I, I have seen it um it doesn't happen often though i mean in the mara the common one is lion and hyena the hyena right. numbers through the roof i mean at one stage in the mara there was a clan of hyena on the mara close to the talek river which numbered about 120 for a clan wow which which is the biggest in Africa that we've ever known of, which made them the apex predator in that area. But they, look, they, they fractured off and, and balance has been restored. But we've seen cheetahs being chased off by wild dogs. We've seen lions chasing off a leopard. The, a, a tough one recently, I was in, where was I? Mala Mala in South Africa. Also, mm-hmm. trip could be there. Beautiful leopard sightings, right? Mm-hmm. And we came in the morning, and, and this, this was it was horrible. It's on my Instagram if you scroll way down. Okay. And we saw a baby, a lion cub baby four months old up in a tree, hanging over a tree, uh. which means a leopard found the lion cubs while mom was off, and it basically killed them and put one up in the tree. So these things do happen. The problem – and I've also seen um, prides of lions go at each other, mm. and it's brutal. And somehow – and I, I'm not trying to play this down at all, but if – if a lion, for example, uh, attacks a zebra, right, it can be horrible and it's difficult to watch. But deep down, we all know that's the way of things. That's, that's the circle of life if we go the Lion King route. But to see a lion kill another lion or a, or a leopard to kill, a, it doesn't feel right. It's like you said, it, it doesn't, it, something's not right, but it happens. I mean, these things happen.
0: Yeah, and I, and I know we talked about this in our in our earlier podcast. Which, by the way, go check it out. It's season one. I think it was in in, in the episode thirties. But mm-hmm. you were talking about that because people do go on safari and they have these National Geographic dreams of like how kills are, and you just go into yeah. it's not what you it's not what yeah. you you know expect. Not at
1: all. It's I mean because because I had this. I mean I don't know if I told you the story last time. I was at the one lodge and there was a honeymoon couple that came in. And there was another family with them on the car. And uh-huh. the one lady on this family, I want to see a kill. I want to see a kill. I want to see a kill. That's all she wants to see. And I say to her, listen, just understand, number one, if you see it, you are super lucky. Like, it is super lucky to see the whole process. But she says, no, 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 she's good. She, she wants to see it. I said, you do understand it's not easy. She says, oh, no, it's fine. I've seen it many times on National Geographic. I said, yes, but here there's no beautiful music playing they don't pull away at the opportune moment. There's smell involved, there's all of these things. And as luck would have it, as luck would have it, on her trip, a lion hits a wildebeest in front of our car. Bang. Oh my God. The first thing she says is, no, we need to leave. We can't do this. I'm like, okay, but listen, you've been asking for this. There it is. You are lucky to see this. Oh. It, it's a weird thing. Um, it is not the same as on TV. It's it's very real. And a lot of people don't want to see it. And And I'm sure a lot of people listening, because I get this often, is I don't want to come on safari to Africa, because what if I see a lion kill a wildebeest? That's the same as saying, I'm not going to go on the road. What if I get in an accident, right? Yeah. It's just, it's part of the system. And if you understand that lions have to eat, this is how it works. I mean, we can go to the Lion King. We eat them. They become the grass. We become the grass, whatever, whatever. But it doesn't happen often. Yeah. It really doesn't.
0: I, um... I had on National Geographic filmmakers Derek and Beverly Jobert who've been producing Nat Geo films for over thirty years. Yes. They uh, they said their most difficult scenes because they've seen thousands of kills. I mean, oh, throughout yeah. their years, they said when um, they filmed lions hunting elephants, that was yes. yeah, yeah, that would be. I've, I've only seen that. I've
1: seen that once. You've seen and that.
0: yeah, you've seen it in like the, an actual kill.
1: Yeah, in Madikwe, this is many years, about twelve years ago. There was, there was a herd of elephants that came to drink. I mean, 15, 20 of them. Yeah. And there was two male lions sleeping off maybe 60, 70 meters away, not not bothering. They didn't, mm-hmm. you know, the herd left. The one youngster, maybe 10, 11 years old, stayed back and he's playing around in this. And he started running after the herd. He must have gotten a whiff of these two lions. The lions had no interest. They were sleeping flat. And he went to them and he's like, Brow! trying to like flick them away. And they just got up and things happened. it's it's it, it is it's tough it's really wow. tough
0: wow yeah okay 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 so let's kind of switch gears here sorry we're kind of like yes. going down <laughs> like a depressing well i'm i like the whole behind the scenes the ins and outs and you know i'm just about that experience so you've done something that we did not talk about last time and it was like i literally got off got off our skype call and i was like oh crap we were supposed to talk about this spirit bears jerry i'm not huh? good Jerry, oh my goodness! Can we talk about? I mean, what is a spirit bear for someone who's like, wait, are we going like spiritual here? Like, what? Is, like, what are they? What is this?
1: <laughs> what <laughs> is this? But but this is the thing. I mean, to 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 kind of just create the story. There's only about four hundred, maybe at max, four hundred of them in the world,
0: right? Wow.
1: So a spirit bear is a black bear, a normal, normal black bear with a double recessive gene. So it's not an albino. It's a black bear that comes out white it is it looks like a small polar bear but it's not a polar bear it is it is still classified as a black bear
0: wow
1: now in this there's a problem because i mean a grizzly hunting as far as i understood was kind of banned and that that's all gone uh-huh. a little while ago black bears however have not been and a spirit bear is theoretically a black bear oh. so, so there's a the whole thing going on Are there people right
0: people killing them
1: not not much because they are so limited in their distribution. So if you look at the British Columbian coast There's there's a, a small small island called Gribble Island G-R-I-B-E-L-L and this is kind of where the gene is and they've they've crossed the channels to some of the other islands around there But that is where they live so that the First Nations who's the local people there They protect the area and they are your guides and they take you out there Um, it looks like a little black bear same kind of size, but it's pure white and it's, it's, it must go down as one of my most amazing wildlife encounters ever seeing the first one, because you would go down this creek. So you're into these creeks, right? There's a little creek going up. You've got salmon swimming up the river. Wow. And then in normal season, these, these bears would be eating berries and such, but when the salmon spawn, they swim up the river and these things then walk up along the river and they come and they walk in the middle of the creek. They walk down hunting. Now, if you think about it, just animal behavior, a black bear standing in the water for a fish from underneath, they can see them mm-hmm. because it's this big shadow. Yeah, yeah. Now you've got a white bear on top, which camouflages from a fish point of view way better. So these things are super successful hunters. We had, I actually had it on my computer early on. We had this one guy, they call him Boss. He's quite a big little black bear, right? But he came past us four or five times, not further than four meters. Wow. You're sitting on the side of this river, and they don't they ignore you flat and they just hunt. It is absolutely ridiculous. And knowing that there's only between like three and 400 of them in the world, you're in this beautiful creek. It's like low, the bubbling water. It's amazing. In, it, is, it is stupid amazing.
0: And mind you, some of the most beautiful country in the world, right? Like British Columbia hmm. area. Like it's just
1: gorgeous. I mean, for me, I mean, from Africa, the, the, the top spot in the world for me always has been um, Svalbard. Yep. That, that's just a personal favorite. And when you step out of the plane, when you get to Longyearbyen
0: uh-huh. in
1: Svalbard, it feels like you step into a movie and you just in this, you you're caught up. Everything holds fascination. Mm-hmm. British Columbia was the same. And not even from a photographic point of view, everything, the landscapes, the people, the, the feeling, the sunsets, the birds. It is stunning. It is absolutely amazing,
0: and the bears are habituated to humans. Like they're fine hunting in the creek, and you're able to get photos. And I mean, how long? So are what they, they do? They, yeah, go ahead.
1: So, so no, so they, so they're not necessarily habituated. What the First Nation guys have done is they manage the amount of people that go into these. You have to get permits to go onto the island, and they always have one of the First Nation guides with you. And they've built these two. They are busy with the third one, but very rudimentary, like wooden platforms. So, you either sit on the floor underneath. Or they've got a little deck. Uh, look, I've sat on that platform for an entire day and I saw nothing. It just it, That's part of the deal. But you then sit there and you're not allowed to approach them. So if he comes down, you position yourself always with your back against something, and then these things come past and they do their thing. So they're probably, I mean, it would be the same to say, for example, a lion in the Masamara is more habituated to vehicles than these things would be to humans, just because of the number of people that they see. Yeah, but I mean, we had the one. I mean, and you have white and black bears. Uh, well, sorry, spirit and black both coming yeah. up and down the hunting. Um, one black bear did give us a bit of a charge because someone was sitting and her oh foot my. slipped and in the, in the splash. So oh he gave my. us a bit of a charge in the water. Nothing, nothing dangerous. Pretty impressive though. Um, so no, I mean, it's still a wild animal. Did that scare? It is still- very much a wild animal.
0: Let's talk about scary experiences really quick. Because did that? I've had a black bear run past me, and I mean, my God, I mean, truly. Because we were we were re-releasing them back. We were. We, I was with a wildlife rehabilitator who had rehabbed these bear cubs because the poacher uh, yeah. shot the mother. Long story short, we rehabbed them. Okay. We re- yeah, we released them back in the wild, and as we released them, I was high up trying to film, and it actually went my way, and it was one of the most. My and these were just like. 10 month old bears. So, I mean, my, I remember my heart was just,
1: uh, no, have
0: you had en- encounters like that where you were just like, Oh my God.
1: I'll be doing bears or Africa,
0: anything, anything, anything where you were just like, Holy crap. Where you had to keep your, um, you?
1: yes, <laughs> there's been a couple. Um, I must be honest, not since wild eye, really, since, uh-huh. since I've, I've been doing what I'm doing now, on foot there's been some moments especially when we were guiding back there. i'm trying to think when the last one was there's so elephants let's talk elephants we had an incident now last Masai mara trip which was september for me when i was last in the mara and we were coming down from a breakfast stop and my four vehicles were kind of parked back to back and there's this but i'm talking a proper big big bull he, the things a he's mr elephant right and I've seen elephants charge vehicles, and I've seen what they can do. These things are powerful. And this big guy came up to the vehicle. I mean, literally almost as far as you and I from each other now, screen-wise, right? Oh, He's next God. to this vehicle. And now I've got to make sure. So, so my guides are well-trained. They know when to turn the car on and off. Yeah. The biggest mistake you can make in that situation, and a lot of people self-drive do this, turn the car on and rev the engine to try and scare oh,
0: him. Oh, okay.
1: Now I think from an elephant's point of view that he doesn't understand. The only thing that that engine sounds like is an aggressive sound. Yeah. Then they react. You just stay calm. What we often do, you talk to them. Hey, big guy, just so they know you're there and this and that. But he was so close to the vehicle and he was just moving past us. Wait, wait we're, and I'm,
0: I'm like, hold on. I'm envisioning that scene from Jurassic Park where they're just like in the vehicle and the T Rex is like right there. <laughs> I mean, are your guests like still or are they like are people freaking
1: so, out? This is the thing is when we, when I see this happening and my guys are all the same, you see this elephant's going to come past and you wouldn't allow him to come that close if he showed any stress signals. Elephants give you more body language than humans. They've got a lot of signals, right? So you prep the guest in advance. Listen, take pictures, but don't talk. Don't drop anything. Sit still, no sudden movements. And luckily on this occasion, this thing just kind of made his way. But it is like the T-Rex scene. It is that. Um, we've had some walks in the past when I was still doing trails where you take big five walks and stuff, where you bump into elephants, you bump into lions, things like that do happen. But, I mean, the biggest thing is that you have to respect that it's their space. That that for me is a big deal. And if you're going to put yourself in there, two things always. You as, well, you and me in the vehicle, we need two escape routes, forward and back. And the animal needs escape routes. If any of those are compromised, then you could have a situation. Because if it, and the, and the problem that a lot of people do is the elephant will be walking along, and they just ride right up to him to try and get a view. He feels he's being attacked. Yeah. Right. So look at animal behavior. If he's walking there, look. Is there a waterhole? Drive around. Wait there. If the animal approaches you on their terms, you get beautiful experiences and amazing photographs. But I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, from the guiding career, when I, mean, I went walking with some of my friends in the past, where we went to track lions, where we had some of them stop, my God, I don't know, five, seven meters from us, and they rev you, and it's like the tail going like a helicopter. So those things happen, but that was not with guests. That was us tracking lines to try and find them. Um, there's always interesting situations, but we haven't lost any guests at Wild Eye i joking. <laughs> no, totally joking.
0: Totally joking. Totally joking.
1: No. Could you it's, imagine? <laughs> um, yeah, it's only those three last year, but. No, I know, right? No. <laughs> but it's peace. it's and for a lot of people and Lauren McIntyre if she ever listens to this she was with me in the vehicle on this particular day and that is almost a highlight of the trip forget the pictures forget everything else that moment when you are three meters two meters away from the biggest mammal on land and he kind of stops and looks at you and you think oh my god this is real and he just moves along that's what it's about that's oh, what it's about man.
0: Okay, Jerry, this is going to be kind of, uh, kind of a tricky game, but I'm going to have to ask you, what if... Or not what if, but what would be a worse situation for you? You're walking along and you come across yes. a hippo or a lone buffalo. What would be worse?
1: Jeez, I would probably choose the hippo. <laughs> really?
0: And what wow. would you do? You and I are... Or you're walking along and you come across a hippo. What would you
1: do? So a hippo behavior wise They would normally... Unless, look, we've had hippos in camp and stuff, but a hippo would normally, if he feels threatened, he will try and get back to water.
0: Okay. So the first thing
1: you would need to do is make sure you are not between him and water because then you've got a bad day coming. (laughs) So don't be – yeah, that's really smart. Okay. So don't be there. So the first thing is if you find hippo, just aware. I mean if he's there and the river's behind me, move sideways or get out the way. Don't Um, run. Don't
0: run, right? Like – or do you run? No,
1: just – no, don't run. Move sideways. You can make noise. Clap your hands. Hippos tend to not like that. Buffalo bulls, though, I mean, those are, they look at you like you owe them money and it goes backwards from there. right? It just, it's bad. So, yeah, I would choose a hippo probably. And the first thing would be awareness is where is the water from where I'm at? Because that's, that's more than likely the direction he will try and get to.
0: I've been charged by a hippo twice, once in a boat in Lake Navasha, and once when we did a bathroom break in the reeds. And I heard and, – and, and it wasn't like a full-on charge, but I've never – I like ran with my pants down. It was insane. Like I, yeah. my heart has never been – but yeah. a buffalo – I remember we were hiking in Hell's Gate National Park, and our guide was yeah. like – make sure to, i mean he's he, he literally said look out for trees to climb in case you know what i mean and i i thought it was a joke and he was like no this is serious if we come across a lone buffalo like look for trees that you can
1: climb and i thought it was a complete 100%. joke 100 percent. i mean the, the the one thing if you look at all these courses the the like the, the courses we do sks special knowledges and skills dangerous game and so on a buffalo is one of the few animals especially the grumpy old boys that do not mock charge i've been mock charged by lions and leopards and all kinds of things, right? And because they they try and chase you off. A mock charge is normally dramatic. Like if an elephant mock charges you, it is scary as shit, right? It yeah, really yeah. is. Because yeah. they come at you, there's trumpeting, there's dust, and there's ears and flapping. It's when an elephant runs at you with the ears back, the trunk down and silent, you've got a problem,
0: oh, right? God. A
1: buffalo does not do that. What you get with a buff is they kind of give you this down look. Then the next thing you get the nose up because they're trying to get your scent. And then off we go, boom. And then they, then they'll come at you. So a buffalo is on foot for me, ah, no go. Not not a, not a fan.
0: Wow. Okay. So we're almost nearing an hour. I know you're a busy guy. Is there one place that you would like to go that you haven't gone to photograph wildlife?
1: Wow. Good call. So, I mean, Antarctica, I am very keen <gasps> on. I'm going there in February, not next year, 2020. So 2020. What are we in now? 20? 20, 20, 20,
0: 2021.
1: 2021. Leopard Seals. Yeah, so leopard seals, penguins and that. Um, Borneo for me was great. I would love to go back there. I would want to go deeper. But I've got this thing about like Franz Josef land going towards the Russian Arctic. Oh, I mean, okay. That, it's like So if you look at where Svalbard is on your map. And that's in Norway.
0: Wait, where's Svalbard? Where are we? So that's, okay. Sounds good.
1: Okay. That, that part of it fascinates me. Also, like um, the Russian Arctic, like Siberia up there for, for tigers in that part of the world. Those speak to me quite a bit. Um, Ethiopia. One of my guys, one of the podcasts now, Andrew Dank, which one of my guys did on Ethiopia. What? It, Ethiopia? Really? Yeah. It's one of the only African countries that has never been colonized. So you get the, you get the most endangered carnivore on the African continent is the Ethiopian wolf. The wild dog is spread throughout the whole continent. This is endemic just to there, and they've got those monkeys on the mountains and stuff. So it must be somewhere in there, hey? I, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm I, I find it difficult to put my finger on one because I want to go everywhere. <laughs> it's, like, it's a tough one.
0: That's awesome. Okay, Jerry, where can my listeners follow you? You're available. Can you do one more plug? And then if they want to go on a safari once this whole coronavirus thing dies, how can they get a hold of yes. you?
1: So the easiest is probably Instagram, Jerry um, uh Hit me up with a direct message. Um, we can I can send you my email address if yep. you can link that up, whatever. Otherwise, the the website is wildeye.com. It's wildeye, two words with the dash in between, dot com. And that's kind of what we do. But yeah, hit me up on Instagram and I'll try and answer all the messages. I always do.
0: Jerry, as always, thank you so much, buddy. I had such a good time catching up. I can't believe it's already an hour. It's, yeah, we're like exactly an hour. I know. Thank you Love so it. much. Love and- it.
1: Thank you you for the opportunity. And we're going to talk about a trip together. And then if you wouldn't mind, I would love to have you on my podcast as well sometime. We can just chat.
0: I'm honored. You've never asked that. Did you you want? Yeah, I would love to do that. We'll we'll connect after this. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for the
1: opportunity, man. Take care, Corbin.
0: Bye.